there we go. Um, so, to kind of start us out talking, what brings you comfort? Oh. Yes. Being with your cat. Woo! Does your cat have a name? Blue. I miss him. Little? Blue. Blue. I miss him. Okay. I miss Lola. Yeah. Miss. Okay. Oh, my dog. Your dog? What kind? She's a Dalmatian Oh, cute. All right, right here. Your couch. Comfy couch, huh? Okay. Your TV. Okay. Home. Yes. A home body. What was that? Stuffed animals. Do you have a favorite? You do. What is it? Cute, 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 cute. Hot chocolate. Well, we're gonna put hot chalk. <laughs> chicken. Chicken. Like fried chicken, grilled chicken, Chick Fil A chicken. Chick Fil A chicken. All right. Can you please fried Chick Fil A? Yes. 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 We're just, with every question, we're just going to put Chick-fil-A. All right, some girls right here. Uh, yes. Family. Family. Okay. You? Big sweatshirt. A big sweatshirt, yes. Okay, in the back. Ice cream. Sarah, right, Sarah? How long is the book and Book and blanket? And my vest. And what? And my vest. A vest? Bed. Oh, bed. bed. Sorry, I, I just, I can't hear. Book, bed, blanket. Okay, uh, two more, two more. Warm food. Uh, is there like a specific kind? Warm. Okay. 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 All right. One more back there. Friends. Okay. Ooh, this is a good, good, a good running list. Okay. So these are some of the things that bring us comfort. Now, what about during hard times? What are some things that bring us comfort? Maybe some of the same things, maybe, on an add to it? The Bible, yeah. God's Word. Mom. Music, music. Yeah. Quiet time with God, yes. All right. Yes. Drawing. I'll, I'll go down here. I don't know why I'm like trying to squeeze it up top. All right. Like writing what you like writing what you feel. Yeah. Like journaling. 
writing down what you feel, your thoughts. Drawing? Yes, drawing, yep. Got it. Uh oh, I just messed it up. Alright, one more. Talking to someone about it, yeah. Good. Um, we're going to be in Psalm 23. Um, this is a familiar psalm to probably a lot of us. I feel like in like the majority of funeral scenes in movies, they're like quoting Psalm 23. But Psalm 23, over many, 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 many years, has been a comfort and a confidence for God's people. Um, especially during times of trouble and uh, just the hard stuff in life. Um, I think all of us in this room could agree that life is full of ups and downs, right? We could all agree. That's full of good times and bad times, good pastures and the valleys, you know, that represent that, the good times and bad times. Uh, Richie Sessions, who has spoken here several times um, at RYM conferences, he describes our our world, the world that we live in, uh, in a really beautiful way. And it, I think it's one of the best descriptions. But in one of his sermons, he says that we live in a ruined paradise. Uh, yesterday we talked about how we talked about paradise and we talked about how God's pursuit is redemptive but a ruined paradise what he was saying is that the world in many ways is a paradise right there's beauty there's good things right like we we talked about paradise and a lot of y'all said like palm trees and the beach uh yeah mountains i love mangoes so eating mangoes the beauty of that and being on the beach and laughing with friends um running through the sprinkler on a hot summer day or playing in the pool uh on a being in the pool on a hot summer day like there are some good things and beautiful things but in that same world there's violence there's injustice there's pollution there's uh, divorce there's broken friendships uh, there's war there's racism um, and I think that's a really a ruined paradise Psalm 23 speaks to both the good times and the bad times. And I think we see that in verses 1 through 3. And so today we're going to talk about how, how God's pursuit is active. That God is always at work. Even when it feels like He's not. He's always at work. It is active. So how does... Well, first of all, we need to read the psalm. That would be the first, that would be the first step. Um, so open up your Bibles... To Psalm 23. And I'm going to actually have someone read it for us. There's only six verses. I saw your hand go up. Sophia, right? Yes. Um, but wait until everyone can get there. When you get there, you know. Jelly yeah, jelly beans. Okay. All right. So, 
Is everyone there? Okay. So just read it. Read it really loud. Uh, really loudly so we can all hear it. Alright, this is God's word. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He lays me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thank you. How does Psalm 23 begin? Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does it mean that the Lord is my shepherd? Yeah, he watches over you. What what else does a shepherd do? Guides you. What else? Cares for you. Protects. Help. Comforts. Feeds you. Yeah, right? He leads them out in the green pastures. Um, that's actually what shepherds did back in Bible times. All the things you just described. Um... So, God, throughout Scripture, here in Psalm 23 and other places, He refers Himself to a shepherd. That, and so, if the Lord is our shepherd, then that, what does that mean? Then what are we? Sheep, right? Um, so, David, who wrote this psalm, knows a little something about shepherdness. Um, that's probably not a word, but he knows a little something about being a shepherd because he was a shepherd, right? He cared for uh, his flock. And what David is saying is, well, if the Lord's my shepherd, then I'm a sheep. Okay, so what do we know about sheep? They have wool. Huh? Wool. They're fluffy. Someone said dumb. They tend to stray, yeah. They fall off of cliffs. So if one, so if one sheep is heading towards the cliff, other they will follow. And um, you know, that's yeah, yeah. They're creatures of habit. Yeah. You and the what? What? One of y'all? Okay. Okay. There's wildlife. Yes. What? Yes. That's a good point. What else do we know about them? I think we kind of... They're kind of scaredy cats. Kind of scaredy cats. They're weak. They're helpless. Huh? Wanted by wolves. Yes, they... They bat. They're pretty cute, right? Um, they're pretty cute. So... And yet God says, I'm a shepherd. If you remember, this, so shepherd and sheep, this points forward to Jesus. In John chapter 10, uh, Jesus says, identifies, and he says, I am the good shepherd, right? Y'all remember when, when Jesus said that? Now let's look at the second half of the first sentence. When, so it says, 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One of, one of my favorite questions that I like to ask students, and I want you to think about it, I don't want you to, to say it out loud, but I want you to think about this. I like to ask them, what do you think God is like? What do you think God is like? As I was studying this and thinking about it, I think sometimes we can think God is like a vending machine. And what I mean by that, um, in middle school, when I was living in Alabama, there, there, we had 15 minutes for recess in the morning. And we could either go outside or we could go to the two vending machines. And the popular thing to do was to go to the vending machine. And there would be this long line. And you'd have to wait in the line to get whatever you wanted. But you go to a vending machine to get what you want. And I remember this vending machine had chewy gobstoppers. And I was like in this whole like chewy gobstopper phase. And uh, so I would get chewy gobstoppers. But I think sometimes we can view God like a vending machine where we only go to him to get what we want. And like, alright God, just, just give me what I want. Here when David says, I shall not want, it means not lacking. Lacking nothing. With Jesus, you lack nothing. And I think that's, that's really beautiful for us to consider. Um, here's what we see is that the good shepherd, he gives the sheep what they need. And I think the good shepherd goes to the very core of what they really want. And what do they really want when we look at Psalm 23, when it talks about the, the green pastures and the still waters? Like, what does that represent? What they really want. Yeah. Heaven, a heavenly home? Yeah. What else? When you think about still waters. Um, a paradise? Oh, okay. Someone else is back? Yeah. Peace. What else? Rest. Yeah. Calm place where you can just Yeah. Yeah, a calm place. I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think deep down inside we we all want that the same thing, right? Like we all want peace and rest and provision and to be cared for and to be loved and to have that calm place. We, we long for a heavenly home, right? And what the sheep really want is what they really need. And that's what we see here. That with Jesus, we will not lack life. and We will not lack guidance or safety or provision or rest or a heavenly home. You see, the good shepherd meets our needs. And our deepest desires are met in Jesus. If we continue, it says that He restores my soul and He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So as we said earlier, that sheep are creatures of habit. Which means Philip Keller, who is no relation to Tim Keller, said if sheep left to themselves, they will follow the same trails until they become ruts. They will graze the same hills until they turn desert wastes. And as humans, because of sin, 
we do the same, right? We we can do the same thing over and over again, tr- hoping to get a different result. Or we can cling to the same habits, even if we've seen those habits ruin someone else's life. I think we try to convince ourselves that that sin leads to life. But sin never leads to life, right? Sin always leads to death. And we convince ourselves that sin equals freedom, but sin always equals bondage. And so we have a tendency to turn our own way. And what that means when you turn your own way, it just simply means do what you want. You want to do what you want. We live in a culture of this, just do what you want. Do you, right? Just do you, boo. Like, it's, it's, but here's the thing. It's the image of that the sheep have lost their way and we have lost our way as well. And so what does God do? What does it say he does? It starts with an R. Redeems us. Yeah, redeems us, restores us. Right? Yeah. He redeems us, he restores us. That word restore means to return or to bring back. This reminds me of the parable in Luke 15 with the lost sheep. And it talks about how Jesus, he he goes to for the one, right? The one lost sheep that... Um, let me read it because if I don't, then who knows? I'll probably like misquote it. Um, this is what Jesus says. He says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And, we, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. It's a picture of how God brings back wayward sinners like you and me and back to himself. And he brings us onto the paths of righteousness. So in the first three verses, I think it describes the good times in life, the green pastures, the still waters. But then we we get to the valley. And it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. What do we do when suffering and trouble comes knocking on our door? What do we do? Hide. Yeah, hide. What are some other things that we kind of do during those times? That's a good one. Hide. Get anxious. Get anxious. I raised my hand on that one. Lie? Yeah, we might lie. Fear? Yeah. Yeah. Be afraid of the uncertainty of it? Yeah. We run? Put our identity in something else, you said? Yeah. 
probably maybe put our our identity in something else. Do any of you avoid avoid it? Like you just ignore. Oh, I just, I won't think about it. I'll just listen to my music or watch a whole season of whatever TV show on Netflix. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm guilty of that, to try to avoid and escape uh, reality a lot of times. But I don't think I'm the only one in this room. Um, yeah, those might be some things that we do to try to handle the, the difficult seasons, the, the valleys in our lives. So here's, here's a rhetorical question that I want us to think about. What is God like during those times? During, during the valley? Is, is He still good? Does He still care? And obviously, obviously the answer is yes. Like, He does. Like, He, he does care. He's still good. Uh, I told the first class, the, um, there's a song by Hillsong on their new album, and... It talks a lot about, or he sings, whatever, um, about this, that God is, is no less faithful. He's no less loving. He's no less good during these times of, of darkness and trouble and hardships in our life. Here's the thing. For, the, if, for Christians, we have the joy of walking with Jesus. But the joy of walking with Jesus doesn't mean that you're constantly on the mountaintop living an easy life. <laughs> I used to think that's what it means. Until life hit me like in the face. Not just hit me, but it, like slapped me. Punched me. <laughs> but um, it doesn't mean that. That you have to go through the valley to get to the mountain. And God gives us valleys. There are going to be times in your life that you will find yourself in the valley. And maybe for some of us in this room, we're in the valley. Maybe for some of us in this room, we're dealing with our parents recently getting divorced. And we didn't see it coming. And it sort of left us anxious and afraid and scared and sad. Maybe for some of us, this past school year was really, really hard. And it, what made it hard was that maybe you found yourself sitting alone in the cafeteria. Been there, done that. Yeah. Um, or your friend group, you, find, you found out they weren't really nice and they kind of say, oh, you're out of the friend group. Or maybe for some of you, it's depression or anxiety or loneliness you know loneliness they say is like an epidemic <laughs> um, but it's real like maybe it's loneliness for you and then some of you are, are in the green pastures where your you're, life is good right so there's some of us who, who are just in different places but here's the thing is that we can't ignore the valley because they're there and they will happen. And being under the care of the Good Shepherd doesn't mean that you'll live a trouble-free life. But what it does mean is that you're under the care of the Good Shepherd, which means you're secure in Jesus. 
So what does God do during these times? It's something really beautiful. God draws near. I think what we see here in this psalm is that God, we see God's active goodness and we see God's active nearness and we see that God not only pursues us when things are woo, going, going really well in our lives and yeah, I'm on the mountaintop living my best life. God pursues us there, but He also pursues us in the valley when it feels like our world is falling apart and words can't even explain the emotions that we feel or the anxiety that we feel or, or even communicate what's happening or put words to it. Like God meets us there. He pursues us even there. Here's the thing. Is that out of the goodness of God, He says, I got you. I got you. You, if you believe in me, you are mine. Nothing is going to snatch you out of, snatch you out of the grip that I have on you. I'm not walking out on you. I will rescue you. I am there with you in it. David in the darkest moment of his moments of his life can say he's not afraid because God is with him. That God in the valley is is guiding and protecting and fighting for him and comforting him. Philip Keller also he said it's important to note that the valley of the shadow of death is as much God's path for us as the green pastures. And then if we continue in this psalm, it, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The psalm goes from a shepherd guiding his sheep to a host throwing a lavish party. How many of us like to like go to birthday parties or like family reunions? Well, whatever. Like, you know, like a... Or Thanksgiving. I thought about Thanksgiving when I was reading this. I was like, oh, a feast. I was like, Thanksgiving. You know, like, that's, that's the image here. That God, in, in the darkest moment, in the moments where it's hard and there's troubles, He prepares a table. He prepares a feast. And the Good Shepherd says, come and feast. Drink from my grace and drink from my joy. It, it's overflowing. It is endless. Uh, about two years ago, I was I was really going through a hard time, and I remember one of my one of my good friends invited me over to her house, and she said, "Come have a meal with me." And it was that moment where you know, like when you're going through a hard time, and it's like. You want to be with people, but you don't want to be with people. And I was like, I want to be with people, but then I don't want to be with people. I don't want to. I don't want people to see just how broken and weak I am. Um, that's my pride. Anyway, I got my shoes on and I head over there. And we sat at her table, and I couldn't really communicate the turmoil that was going on inside of me. So I just sat there and I cried. Ugly cry. And we ate food and she prayed for me and she wept with me. And 
it was that moment of like not only was I being fed by food but I was being like fed life and the presence of God there like my heart was broken and the Bible talks about how scripture like God draws near to the broken hearted and it was her friendship her extending her friendship to me not saying really saying any words just like praying and crying with me and eating and there's something beautiful when that happens and here's the thing is that you will need other people in life and you will need to be that other person who's going in through the valley as well and it was that moment of yeah I'm walking through the valley but here's the thing we walk through it we don't we won't forever be there it's like you you will get to the other side um, and here's the thing at this table here this feast that's being described there's diversity there God's family is diverse God's family is here's the thing not only is God's pursuit active but it's also international like there are so many things that I could even list of like God's pursuit but I only could pick three but to talk about but it's international and what that means is that God's redemptive plan is for the nations it is for every race it is for every tribe it is for every tongue yesterday I mentioned how my family is diverse and I'm adopted and I have siblings who are Korean and Filipino and my sister is five years older (laughs) when people meet us they're like wait she's your sister I'm like yeah she's Korean and I'm like yeah and I'm like oh my gosh you guys look so much alike and I'm like what (laughs) what thank you for the compliment but no we don't look anything alike Um, but anyway when I was thinking about this so during Thanksgiving we I mean you think like 10 people more than that in in my family I I think about Thanksgiving and just the diversity at that table and it people came from from every it seemed like every race and every it, it was just this beautiful picture of the gospel and like when I was in it I didn't realize it and now I'm like oh yeah that's that a beautiful picture of the gospel um, my mom even one time met this lady who was from Zimbabwe and um, and with her two kids met her at Bible study and that night my mom came home from Bible study and was like oh yeah so and so and her two kids are going to be moving in tomorrow and they're from Zimbabwe it's just like okay alright I was in middle school when that happened but it was just this 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 beautiful picture. And I think about that when when I think about what the the wedding feast is going to look like when when we're all in heaven and the diversity there. And lastly, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's pursuit of us is active. God's goodness and mercy will pursue you. That word follow in Hebrew means pursue. 
And if you want to take it a step further, I would even say that that God's goodness and mercy will chase you down. That His goodness and mercy, His grace will find you. It will find you. And here's the thing. David can say that God's goodness and mercy will follow him all the days of his life because they were following him all the days of his life. Um, I'll end with this. Sally Lloyd-Jones has the Jesus Storybook Bible. You've heard of it, maybe? Maybe have read it yourself? Man, it is awesome. Plus the illustrations in there. I'm like, oh, yes. It is, it is beautiful. But she has... Um, so I'm going to quote her because I think this is such a beautiful... Uh, anyway, I keep using the word beautiful, but it just is. And if you don't take anything else away from what I said today, I want you all to take this away from, from today because it's beautiful. God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And that is true. His love will not fail you. It will not give up on you. It will not stop. It's always and forever. Uh, Anyway. Let me pray for us, and then we can go. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for how your goodness and your mercy are pursuing us. That your love does not fail us. God, you have not forgotten us. And we thank you so much for Jesus, and that... Uh, we who were once enemies are now um, called your friends. Um, Lord, I pray that these truths would, um, that you would apply these truths to our hearts. That we would be reminded of your faithfulness and your steadfast love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.